Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, Mike Lynch here. Hey, and I'm Patrick Harris. You probably like baseball, which is why you're listening to this. This is the uh, Hot Corner Podcast. Well, I kind of like baseball. I guess I'll tune in. Baseball's pretty neat, so... Thanks for listening. This is brought to you by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. Doing the right thing since 1952. Woo, baseball! And now the pitch by Martinez is option in and hits Gerald Williams on the left hand. Dig your cleats in. Now he's going to charge the mound. He's going to charge Martinez, and the fight is on. He got a right hand in before he's grabbed from behind by Baratek, and now the benches are empty. It's time for Hour 2 of the Hot Corner with Patrick Harris. Jerzynski wanting to know, am I going? He is going. And Mike Lynch. It is a collision at the plate. And Pierzynski not only bangs into Barrett, bangs onto the plate. And here they go. Step up to the plate for hour two of the hot corner. Posebnik getting into it with Barrett. I mean, there is some hooking going on in the bottom of two piles. On 1080. Solid contact right there. The fan. Hour two of two here on the hot corner. Mike and Joe with you until nine o'clock this evening, leading you into Ducks Insider. We will discuss the Rays and analytics here this hour, but I want to go here quickly because I got this tweet sent to me a couple of minutes ago. And I was reminded because we've had a conversation in some shape or form about this in the past uh, because of the Jose Bautista clip in our hour number two open where he's getting punched in the face by Rugnet Odor in the most glorious baseball clip of all time. The question is, who has the most punchable face in baseball? This is from Tyler, one of our listeners. No longer Jose Bautista, well, because he's not in the game anymore. So who has the most punchable face in baseball? And you can't just say the entire Houston Astros because they're cheating bastards. You yeah. can, but that's not. I'm not going to count that as a real answer. You know, honestly, the first person that came to my head was Carlos Correa. Mm-hmm. It's not the whole Astros team. I mean, it's just first person that came to my head was also an Astro player. I'll tell you in a second. <laughs> yeah, it was Carlos Correa because you know the, uh, Jose Altuve. He he hasn't been running his mouth as much since this all came to light. The he cheating. seems to care very much that people don't like him now. Yeah, but he is, yeah, like he's a little bit more sensitive to it and doesn't want to bring more attention upon himself because of this. Whereas Carlos Correa, the interview he did with, I think it was Ken Rosenthal um, before spring training, I want to say, or just like during the middle of it where he was just defending to all hell what they did. Well, he did it after they won 
the first series is like, what are they going to say now? And that too, exactly. It's just like he, hey, you're cheaters, you <laughs> yeah. And to me, uh, he's just definitely got this arrogance about him now that just whenever I see him do anything good, just want to, yeah. He's yeah. the villain role. Yeah, for sure. And Alex Bregman, I guess, has has some of it, but to me, Correa has taken on that 100. Uh, percent My answer was Alex Bregman because <laughs> Alex. I have two, I had two answers. One was Alex Bregman. Bregman was so cocky sniff when they were winning. Yep. He had all those giggling press conferences like, oh, maybe I knew it was coming. Yeah. Maybe I didn't. Blah, I blah, blah, blah. And I never understood why Patrick liked him so much, but he is very punchable to me. Correa is a great answer. I didn't think about that. The other one is Manny Machado. Machado's kind of got this like snide attitude about him. I think he's just misunderstood. You should probably hate him, Joe, because <laughs> he left your team. But I don't hate a, him as much because he went to the Padres, which is like the <laughs> polar opposite of playing for the Baltimore Orioles, basically. Right. Well, that's like the same team, but on the different coast. He didn't <laughs> yeah. go to a, like a great team. He went to a... This is true, yeah. Trying to be great team. Yeah. But Machado kind of has this way about him sometimes, and it was actually evident in the series against the Dodgers when there was that little weird like fight thing going on between the two and he was like cursing at him and and all that stuff like right dude shut up <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it was funny but that makes that's a punchable face to me as well so Bregman Machado Carlos Correa uh, I'd say Chris Davis uh, Orioles probably I, I I mean no I don't feel bad for him I was gonna say I was about to say I feel no don't I don't feel bad at all with the amount of money he's taking in he, he can take a you can take one right in the kisser. P1 Padres, then he says, Dustin May gives me clown vibes, and I'm really afraid of clowns. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great answer. I very much enjoy that. Uh, and we got another Bregman as well. Yeah, Bregman, he was way too smug when they were good. Way too smug. I guess they're still good because they've made it to this game seven in the ALCS. When they were cheating good, he was way too smug. Uh, found a post in Reddit actually about with this same question. Don't forget about Ryan Braun. True. Another lying, cheating a-hole. Yeah. <laughs> Basically anybody who's a terrible person, easily punchable face for sure. Who has the least punchable face in baseball? Um, Like, is there someone who just looks like really nice? <laughs> and you would never want to punch them. I don't know. Basically, any relief pitcher getting shelled in like his first couple appearances in the MLB feel always really bad for those guys. This is his third appearance in the league, and his ERA is sixteen point five. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, that guy needs a hug. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's that's and, like a that's an event. Unless he's on your team, like Chris Davis, then he deserves to get punched in his face. That is an event, not a player. I'm thinking like first in the pops in my head is when I thought about it was Kevin Kiermaier was grounding out. Kevin Kiermaier is incredibly good looking. I don't want to punch that face. He's got like this steely blue eyes glaring at you. Like, no, you, you keep your good face there, Kevin Kiermaier. Is Jonathan Papelbaum still on the team? No. He's not on the MLB anymore? I don't think so, no. Getting a lot of those on uh, this Reddit post here. Mm, mm. Makes sense. Yeah, understand. He was, uh, he was an uber douche as well. A lot of the closers, when they get into those like, the stalking, like weird personality. It's like, okay, shut up. Roldis Chapman's probably pretty punchable as well, I would say. Considering he uh, hits women and uh, does the glare constantly, and he does the weird stance when he gets a save where he just like shows his gigantic muscles and stares down the batter, he's pretty punchable too. Yep, yep, definitely. Even though he's on my own team, still punchable. 
All right, let's get into the uh, analytics like he's stuff here. Up Jacks in the most inconvenient time. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. He has done it two postseasons in a row. Um, so I read this article today on Espen. It was written by David Schoenfield and some guy named June Lee, who I have not heard of, but I've, I've, I like David Schoenfield's stuff. And it was a deep dive into the Tampa Bay Rays from the beginning of their analytics push, which was with Joe Madden back in probably the last time they made the world series, actually in 2008, when they lost the Phillies was when all of this kind of started with the Rays, and the article kind of goes through a whole bunch of things. I'm not going to spend too much time reading through the the paragraphs and, and the references, but they talk about the shift starting in Tampa. They talk or the defensive shift. I mean, they talk about the opener starting in Tampa, which was Sergio Romo in the playoffs a couple of years ago. If you remember, uh, they opened against the Angels with him two games in a row, and they talked about a lot of how the Rays build their team is predicated on depth more than outright talent and their their belief is that they'll never be up to snuff with some of the big teams in baseball talent wise um outside of their top couple of players right they're like ah like one through five we could probably match a one through five with another team but what we have to do to make ourselves stand out is make six through 30 more talented than the other teams six through 30 which is where the depth idea came in and if you notice the Rays and the way, if you've been watching them through the playoffs and if you watch them at all during the regular season, their lineups are always changing, constantly changing, moving guys around. Guys are in and out, platoon players, lefties versus righties, vice versa, um, constantly changing. But they have the benefit of doing that because all of the guys on the team have talent. They're not uber talented, but they're all good for their own reasons. And they're all good at certain things. Another thing the Rays do that at least in this article that they say they view as different is that oftentimes when scouts will look at players, they will focus on the weakness of the player in kind of nitpicking them and deciding whether or not they fit with the team. And what the Rays decided to do was they focused on what they did. Well, uh, an example of this was Yandy Diaz, who former Indian, uh, the Indians traded him. He wasn't very good there and he was blocked by Jose Ramirez at third base. And Yandy Diaz had a couple of things that they liked that the Indians didn't, I guess, see or didn't think were good enough to make up for his deficiencies. And Diaz is now an important part of the lineup. He's not an amazing hitter, but he's a 270 guy. He's on base a lot. He's a decent fielder. He's got some speed. He's got some personality. And the Rays found that, right? Uh, Nick Anderson, the reliever who's basically the best on their team, was a trade acquisition where they saw something. I think it was from the Marlins. Might be wrong on that. The Marlins trade was referenced in there. Um, I'll find it for you because uh, it's the article is literally sitting in front of me. Um, they made a trade for him when another team basically was like, you know what? We don't see a lot. Uh, it was the Marlins. Yeah. They card Nick Anderson from the Marlins for Tre- with Trevor Richards for a uh, prospect and a reliever. And they said the article says the race saw a pitcher who no matter his circuitous route to the majors, uh, had great stuff and potential to be one of the best relievers in baseball. 1.43 ERA in the regular season since that trade. They're really good at finding guys that are either blocked or not looked at in the same way as their original team or finding guys who maybe have run their course. They, the, the trade that's always talked about with Tampa is the trade uh, where they sent Chris Archer to the Pirates. 
and they got Austin Meadows and they got Tyler Glass now, two guys who were really, really good prospects and never lived up to it with Pittsburgh. And the second they got to Tampa were good, right? They figured it out. That's what Tampa's done. They use analytics on the field. They use analytics in building their team and they use analytics in making trades so that they can find guys in a very true money ball way like the A's used to do using stats or skill sets that are maybe undervalued by some of those teams. Now, the Rays, I think, have changed baseball completely. The Rays started the defensive shift movement under Joe Madden. Now, every team does it, right? The Rays started the opener and bullpen games. Now, every team does it. The Rays started using unique and interesting ways of evaluating players to acquire guys in trades. Now, a lot of teams do that, right? A lot of good teams are able to do that. The most important thing the Rays do, which is a credit to them, and it's not necessarily like a a, a smoke and mirrors kind of thing, is they're just really good at developing their players too. How many guys come up through the Rays farm system that wind up being good? A lot of them, right? The Dodgers are very similar. How many random guys have come up from the last few years from the Dodgers and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> this guy's good. This like Max Muncie is a is a key guy like that. Justin Turner being acquired from the Mets and it's just a key guy like that. Uh, Chris Taylor, right? Just guys come up constantly and they're just good. And you're like, I don't understand who you are. Will Smith, the catch. Who are you? Where did you come from? Not West Philadelphia. West Philadelphia. Where did you come from? They're good at it. But the Rays have always been good at it. And they kind of start these trends that have keep kept going through Major League Baseball. There's a reason why they're considered the smartest team in baseball. There's a reason why they're the, they're the smart guys or the analytics guys because they kind of have to be, but it's worked. They're in their second World Series in 12 years, and they're the Tampa Bay freaking Rays. They have no payroll. They play in the worst ballpark in baseball, and they're in the World Series for the second time in 12 years. Now, are they going to win? I don't know. They lost in a sweep to the Phillies in 08. They might lose to the Dodgers in this World Series as well, but they're making it there, which is way more than a lot of other teams in their position can say. So what they've done is groundbreaking in baseball and as much as I as an AL East fan a Yankees fan hate them for how good they've become and kind of how cocky they are a little bit in in how good they are you got to respect the hell out of them you got to do it yeah like I said they're representing the little guys out there and as an Orioles fan I just uh, I tend to side with them because they show that's how you got to get it done if you aren't dropping 150 200 million dollars a year into your roster and that's always just been one of my biggest um biggest things that makes me deflated as a fan going into the season or trying to compete is like, well, how are we supposed to compete with the guys that can literally buy a team, buy a roster full of stars and the Rays are showing it by completely thinking out of the box uh, in traditional baseball. I remember, yeah, was it two seasons ago when they started the, the, uh, the opener? Yeah, it was Sergio Romo. I think it was maybe, three or four seasons ago against the angels in the playoffs. Yeah. Two straight games. He opened and it's just because they had a really righty heavy lineup and Sergio Romo has a great wipeout slider for righties. And uh, a lot of people obviously weren't happy because it just went the face of traditional baseball, but Hey, do you want to win? You got to think outside of the box. And I credit the Rays for doing that. Cause now two years in a row, one of the best teams, best records in baseball. And now they're in the world series because of it. So kudos to them. Orioles next baby. Um, that's a great transition. Old school or analytics. I read an interesting article today. Again, I say interesting article. I read an article today 
It was about the Yankees. It doesn't matter what it was about, but they had a anonymous source, an anonymous scout talking about what the Yankees should do this coming season. And it came across as very old man yelling at cloud, but it got me thinking because I had read the Rays article as well of the balance between analytics driven stuff and old school stuff and where we need to meet in the middle because oftentimes coaches and GMs will get raked over the coals for following only the analytics um, where other coaches are so old school. They'll get raked over the coals for not following any analytics. So where do we meet in the middle? Let's talk about that next. This is hot corner on 10 to the fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. 503-250-1080 is the fan text line. G-Man Troy is the least punchable face. Yeah, he does seem like a very sweet man. He always looks so happy, which is great. You don't want to punch that face. Also, someone said Buster Posey. I don't know if that's least or most punchable. I probably would say least. Seems like a generally nice guy, but maybe you're a Dodgers fan and you hate the Giants. I don't know. And the uh, the the tweeter who sent it to me said Jock Peterson because he saw him come in the game and he goes, that's a punchable face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would agree with you. He also wears like uh, two diamond necklaces while he plays. I'm a big fan of uh, guys wearing like diamond necklaces and eight chains while playing baseball. Really? I don't mind it. It's kind of like a little personality. The baseball uniform doesn't allow for any personality. So it's something that you can, uh, you can put some flair out there. So yeah. I mean, he likes diamond necklaces, I guess. It, it just reminds me of how broke I am. And uh, I don't like that. I don't like that, <laughs> uh, that they have so much more money. Okay. Than that okay. Do. Okay. But if you had money, Joe, Jock Peterson money, Oh, would you buy diamond necklaces? I think if I, yeah, I would be you wearing would. the most ridiculous things ever because I could get away with it because I was so rich. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I feel Cam like I Newton would. Cam Newton hats. I feel like I would still be very much just me, just with more money. I'd look like a damn. I'd ma- eat a better restaurants and have a nice like home. I would dress like a mascot from like a cereal box. I would look so ridiculous, but I could pull it off because I'm so rich. Which uh, mascot would you go with? Um, I don't know. Captain Crunch. Yeah, that's maybe. The, I think that's the only answer. Seems a little old timey though. Why? I, I mean, you're young in it. It doesn't matter. You're you're not looking older. You just got the blue captain. Captain Crunch on. hasn't been like canceled, right? Like actually, the uniform he's wearing was something that uh, slave owners wore back in the 1800s. Do you think rich people care if someone's been canceled? Come on, they're rich. Hey, they canceled. You got to think with the rich man brain. Come on, they canceled Uncle Ben. It's not even Uncle Ben's mini bowls now. Well, they didn't cancel Uncle Ben. <laughs> they said, this is probably a little bit insensitive. We might need to change this. Oh, I guess you're right. Just like Aunt Jemima. <laughs> They're not canceled. <laughs> the fake character Uncle Ben and the fake character Aunt Jemima didn't say something racist. The, the, the actual Reverse mascot racism. is considered insensitive. Did you hear what Uncle Ben said back in 1902? <laughs> not cool, Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben just disparaging jasmine rice instead of the brown rice. <laughs> Come on. Oh, God. Yeah, I, Captain Crunch. You're rich. You got to think like a rich person. It doesn't matter who's been canceled. You do whatever the hell you want. Dress like Count Chocula. You could do that. You could do that. I Hol- think Captain Crunch is the right answer. <laughs> you could uh, do uh, Tony the Tiger, too. Isn't he just, he just walk naked around? with a scarf? <laughs> yeah. 
You, just, you walk around naked with a scarf going, they're great. And then just hand someone a couple hundred dollar bills and, and then you way. get arrested and, uh, you know, then you got enough money to post bail and you're fine. Look, you were being an eccentric rich person. Like Donald Duck. Nobody realizes that he's naked the bottom half of his body. That is true. I saw that today that Mickey Mouse is topless. Donald Duck <laughs> is bottomless. Uh, Pluto is a dog. What does that make Goofy? I saw that comment today as, a, as one chain. We and, had this conversation too. Goofy and, is a dog or a cow. And uh, right? what happened to Goofy's wife? I'd like to know that from a Goofy movie. They never uh, touch on that. I don't think I've ever seen the Goofy movie. It's a good one. Is it a classic? I'm not going to say it's a classic. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like you were leaning towards classic. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of other better Disney movies, but it's a solid one. Um, okay. Well, we kind of blew the segment there. <laughs> God. Uh, I wanted to talk about the marrying of analytics and old school baseball based on the Rays article that I read. And uh, I guess I guess I'll tell you this. To keep it brief, and maybe we can save this for next week because it is kind of an evergreen topic. But the article I read was uh, about the Yankees today, and they had an anonymous scout talking about the Yankees should do. And in the article, in every answer from the anonymous scout, he basically is just railing on analytics, just saying they focus too much on this. There's too much of this. There's too much of this. They got to get back to the old school way of doing it where they pay everybody a million dollars, $100 million and just buy their championships. It was this weird, like, blast from the past, old man yelling at cloud kind of thing where I was like, I was interested to hear what a scout had to say about, oh, what, what the team should do in the offseason. And I left, like, shaking my head, like, I got nothing out of this. This guy is stuck in the past. He's not viewing baseball through the lens that it's being viewed at anymore, a la what the Tampa, Tampa Bay Rays have done in the sport. And I, I kind of just laughed it off. And I kind of started thinking about, okay, so he's super old school. There's still a lot of old school guys left in baseball. There's a ton of the analytics guys who are coming up as well. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a perfect marriage there somewhere between the two. I think that in the regular season, it's okay to be analytics-based completely because you got a lot of games, you're playing around with some stuff. You know, you don't, Not every game is the most end-all, be-all kind of thing. I think when you get to the postseason, my belief has always been that you should try, try to trend more old school. You kind of agreed in the first segment, Joe, when we talked about Kevin Cash's decision to leave last now in game one, which backfired. You know, trust your horse. He'll get you through the inning. I think there's got to be a perfect marriage here, and I'm not sure that we've found a manager necessarily yet who was great at it. Uh, Dave Roberts, I think, is not great at that marriage. I don't think Aaron Boone, as much as I like him, and even though Patrick hates him, I don't think he's great at that marriage. Uh, it's hard to judge with Cora and Hinch because they were cheating. Uh, so remove them from the equation for now. I think Terry Francona is way more old school. I think Joe Madden's way more new school. Um, who who right now is the best manager for mixing both? Maybe Rocco Baldelli kind of does it both ways a little bit, but he's young and into analytics a lot too. I'm preparing fair or foul, so you might have just said a Joe Madden. I said Joe Madden, yeah. yeah. But Joe Madden is very analytics-based. Yeah. He has been for a long time. Now he's older in age, so maybe he's a guy who can who can kind of play it both ways. But he runs himself out of town in all the places he goes because by the end of his tenure, the players are sick of him. Yeah. So that's not really mixing old and new school. So, I mean, maybe the text line can help us out, 503-250-1080. Is there any manager you think is the perfect mix of analytics and old school Um and if so, who is it? 
because Kevin Cash, the two in the in the World Series right now are not it. I will tell you that. They're not the mix. Kevin Cash may be close. I think he's a top three manager in baseball right now, but they're not the perfect mix. If you have an answer to that, text 503 and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this next week when Patrick comes back because I'll be very curious to hear what he has to say. I know well, he tends to be more old school. I was going to say he's probably going to say Terry Francona. So well, I mean. but... <laughs> We Terry Francona is old school, so <laughs> that's not the answer to the question. But I think he's really taking on the new school vibe, Mike. Okay, Patrick. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll get to that next week. But text in some of your thoughts, 503-250-1080. Coming up next, it is time for fourth. Fair or foul? First Joe of Sports. Is it fair? Oh, my that's goodness. That's a fair ball. Or is it foul? Well, he thought it was foul, I think. A knowledge test for Patrick and Mike to see how well they know the big leagues. Mathematics and strange symbols now as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. The OBP and the SLG and the ISO and the you name it. And what our distinguished hosts think about the stories that popped up around the big leagues. Peralta knocks it into center. David tonight, two for two, a leadoff single here in the fourth. And nobody noticed. This is Fair or Foul on the the hot corner on 1080 the fan all right joe it's not patrick versus me today but i will turn myself away from the computer so i cannot look or research anything what do you have today in our fair or foul segment all right we're gonna start this uh one off with uh an opinion-based one okay so the Dodgers, obviously, they've had some post-season post success over the last few years, going to the World Series a few times, not being able to finish the job off, though. Nope. But if they do, fair or foul, Mookie Betts will be the reason the Dodgers win it all. Um, No, I'm going to say foul on that one. The reason they're going to win it all is because of their starting rotation. Uh, if you get good... Clayton Kershaw, and you continue to get good Walker Bueller in the playoffs, and he has been good in his career in the playoffs so far. That will be the difference because that's that's where you can counter what the Rays have in Snell, Glass, and Alan Morton is with those two guys. You got way better hitters than Tampa does. Tampa's, if you've been watching the game at all, they're putting the averages up for the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> half their lineups in the 100s. It's pretty bad. They can't hit. I mean, they scored six runs today, so good on them. But they're, generally, they can't hit. Rosarain is the only guy who was hitting over 300. I think Willie Adamas is like 280, and I think uh, maybe G-Man Choi was 270. But beyond that, it's just been nothing. And um, I think it's going to be the starting pitchers for the Dodgers that, that are the big difference in the World Series here. So you get Bueller, and you get Clayton Kershaw doing what they do, and I think they'll win. It's not going to be Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is going to be part of it. He was a huge reason in game one. But it's not going to be him alone. That is the reason. All right. Um, yeah, if they're able to get two solid pitching performances at a Kershaw that ends up with him leaving the game and they have a lead, then uh, I like their chances. Their bullpen is not great. No. It's had some question marks. Kenley Jansen has no trust anymore. But I think it's good enough against this raised lineup to hold the fort in games like that. Agreed. Uh, Julia Urias. Not too bad. Yeah, I think Gratterall's pretty good. Joe Kelly gave up a run this game, but he's been pretty good so far this season. Jansen, though, man. How hey, quickly the mighty fall. Maybe this is the series. They put it all together back there. We'll see. Maybe. All right, and in this game uh, tonight, Corey Seager hits another home run. I believe he had five total in the NLCS. 
which uh, brings his total home runs this postseason to seven. Two in the World Series so far, one in each game. Corey Seager, fair foul, has the most home runs in a single postseason by a shortstop. Whoa. Well, is it wrong of me to think the only other guy who might have at shortstop would be Jeter, but he wasn't that much of a home run hitter? I don't know, Mike. But (laughs) I'm going to say fair. I'm going to say Corey Seager with the home run today past Derek Jeter, who had six in a postseason in 2000. 2000. 2000. (laughs) Am I right? Is all of that right? Am I a genius? It is fair. Am I a baby genius? It is fair. Corey Seager now has the most home runs in a single postseason by a shortstop with seven. Mm-hmm. Number two was not Derek Jeter, though. It was not. It was the most punchable face in baseball, Carlos Correa, with six. Uh... Now, what year? I don't know if that was this season or 2017. I'm not sure. Correa did have a lot this year. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if it was this year. I'm just, yes. Still baffles me that uh, George Springer and Jose Altuve now are top five in postseason home runs all time. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird how quickly that changed. But I think because the game has changed so much too, you know. the I think the stat that Rob said on the show today, I didn't know this, is that 55% of the runs in the playoffs before game two started have been on home runs. 55%. And 75% of the Rays runs have been on home runs. So it's just the game's changing, man. There's just so much more power, and the home run has become such a such an important part of the game that it's the stats will of course heavily favor the current day players in that. For sure. God, I just found this out too by trying to find out what year Carlos Correa hit six home runs in the postseason. George Springer, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, or Correa postseason home runs fifty four. The entire Texas Rangers franchise, 54. (laughs) Well, Rangers at least made a World Series they should have won. Well, yeah, they made it to -to back-to-back World Series, right? David (laughs) Freese. They will never, ever forget David Freese there. All right. And on to uh, not our last one. We actually have two left. So... Obviously, a big talking point in uh, this World Series is the payrolls. We've mentioned it a couple times between the two teams. And this season, uh, being abbreviated, we have some prorated salaries this year. So while uh, I believe the Rays, it was like 70, 75 million, something around there. That's not the salary for this season because it's prorated. Right. So. Fair foul, prorated salaries. The entire Rays roster makes only two and a half million more than Kershaw and Betts this season. <laughs> There's no way that's true. There's no way. That's 26 players versus two. Okay, so. Prorated, Mike. I. I Trust me, I cannot do math that fast in my head. Prorated, Mike. I understand. I understand. But prorated is still a percentage of your salary, which is still going to be the same thing. That's foul. I'm going to say foul because I don't believe it. Now, I'm just going to take this off of a picture that I saw on Reddit, so that way I know it's true. Of course, everything Um, on Reddit's real. World Series salary comparison prorated for 2020 season. Clayton Kershaw and Mookie Betts. Twenty-six million three hundred and eight thousand dollars. Tampa Bay Rays, twenty-eight million seven hundred and seventy-three. So we're looking at about two point four five. 
2.47, something along those lines. That is... Unreal. Unbelievable. Literally, I cannot believe it. I'm calling fake news. Well, you're right. Fake news, corrupt news. That is wild. Water is very wet. Now, I wonder if that is the whole roster or just like their postseason roster. I mean, not a, I don't know how it's working this year. I mean, if I it's forget. a random Reddit post, of course, there's no explanation for it. But it just seems bad. Like Charlie Morton is, I think, the highest paid Ray. He makes a decent salary, right? They gave Blake Snell his contract. It's not huge, but they gave him a contract. I get. I mean, I guess. I so. feel like I feel like those two guys alone, prorated, would boost it above what those two players in the Dodgers make, combined with all the other Rays. But I don't know. What do I know? Sheesh. Someone else bringing a bringing up a good point in the comments there. How many players have ended up going on from the Rays to just be studs? Odorizzi, Longoria, Carl Crawford, David Price, Chris Archer. Well, Chris Archer, kind of. Will well, Myers. I was going to say, all of those guys have failed once they left. Think about it. Say the list again. Jake Odorizzi had one good year in Minnesota. Hasn't been the same, right? Chris Archer, not good on, on the Pirates. True. David Price has been good, but his career did fall off pretty drastically from where he was. You say the same about James Shields, too. Big game. James was never the same. Uh, who else did you mention? Will Myers? Uh, Carl Crawford. Carl yeah. Crawford sucked once he left. That's true. Will Myers. He's a fine player. Although he, he was also just kind of average with Tampa. He never really fully lived up to his potential. So you're saying is they let go of guys at the right time. Yeah. Rays. Best team in baseball ever? Smartest team in baseball. <laughs> That is for sure. Oh, my God. All right. And then uh, fair or foul, last one. Captain Crunch's full name is actually Captain Horatio Magellan Crunch. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I Okay. I want this to be foul because I want you to have created that name in your own brain <laughs> just to do this segment. Horatio Magellan Crunch. <laughs> Magellan being in there makes me think it might be real, but I'm going to say foul because I really want you to be that creative. Uh, I wish I was, Mike. According to the Wall Street <laughs> Journal 2013, the mascot Horatio Magellan Crunch captains a ship called the Guppy and was born on Crunch Island, a magical island off the coast of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> so in Lake Erie then, huh? And in the Sea of Milk. With, uh, with yes, talking trees, crazy creatures, and a mountain, Mount Crunchmore, made out of Captain Crunch cereal. Horatio Magellan Crunch, otherwise known as the Captain. I love Captain Crunch cereal. No, it does not cut the roof of your mouth, you weirdos. What's wrong with your mouth? Eat more scorching hot pizza and create a wall against the sharp razor blades that are Captain Crunch cereal. My God, on the Wikipedia page, so many variations of Captain Crunch cereal. We obviously got the two uh, two mainstays, Captain Crunch and then Captain Crunch uh, Crunchberries. Yep. You got Peanut Butter Crunch, right? That's right. That's on there, too. Uh, Punch Crunch, Vanilla Crunch, Jean Lafoot's Cinnamon Crunch. I have no Jean idea. Jean Lafoot's? No idea who that is. <laughs> Choco Crunch, Chocolatey Crunch, Christmas Crunch, Deep Sea Crunch. Oops, all berries. Ooh, I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween Crunch, Galactic Crunch. Choco Donuts. Do you think that having a 
flavor creating slash marketing job at a cereal company is the easiest thing ever because all you have to do is just like add one flavor and voila. I mean, they, new cereal for lots of money. They, uh, I'll keep going here. Home Run Crunch, Neutron Berries, which apparently was a Jimmy Neutron promotional series. Very underrated show on Nickelodeon. Don't you dare disparage the great Jimmy Neutron. Rugrats Go Wild Berries. Hell yeah. You also got Captain Crunch's Mystery Volcano. Where's the Wild Thornberries? Mystery Volcano Crunch. Oops, smashed berries. <laughs> I love the oops ones. Oops. Oopsie. Oopsie poopsies. Was literally oops all berry cereal, just but just with flat crunch berries. Ah, really creative. <laughs> Running out of steam on that one. No, but see, I'm sure they sold plenty. Cosmic Marketing crunch. campaign behind it. There's some weird animated commercial where the captain falls on the box and it flattens all the berries and he goes, well... Let's have some butt berries. Damn cereal. you, Horatio. <laughs> Super- That's Horatio Magellan to you, sir. Superman Crunch. Cinnamon Roll Crunch. That actually sounds really good. That it does. Crunch Treasures. Captain Crunch Bars. Airhead Berries. Gross. Dude, what is this, like 900 different varieties of Captain Crunch? I, I, I still got like seven more here. Sprinkled Donut Crunch. Orange Cream Pop Crunch. Ew, that sounds terrible. Blueberry Pancake Crunch. That sounds good. Chocolatey Crunch Berries. Strawberry Shortcake Crunch. Red, White, and Blue Crunch. And uh, released in 2019 to really appeal to that right-wing crowd there. Red, White, and Blue Captain Crunch. That's all I want. <laughs> and Cotton Candy Crunch. All right. I feel like I've only seen like maybe 10 of those ever in my life <laughs> right. out of the 100 that you just mentioned. But, uh, all right, General Mills, I imagine, is, is who it is. Or Kellogg. It's the only two cereal companies that matter, I guess. I'm pretty sure I saw a Sour Patch Kids cereal at one point. Sour Patch Kids is doing this weird push where they're making everything flavored Sour Patch Kids, and they're just putting it everywhere. Gross. So, uh, yeah, go Sour Patch Kids. All right, let's wrap this show up next. This is the Hot Corner on 1080 The Fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. Well, game two of the World Series just went final. How about that for timing? Because we have one segment to go. I was like, oh, maybe we'll get to it at the end of the show. Maybe not. I'm honestly a little distracted by Horatio Magellan Crunch at the moment. And I'm now thinking of all the cereals that I like to eat and what the names of their real, their real fictional names are. Well, I'm, I'm just surprised that they gave him a full name. I mean, I went into that much thought process and that he lives on an island off the coast of Ohio. Yeah, like, do you think, do you remember in um, uh, Buddy the Elf? Yes. Do you remember, uh, do you remember the the guy who's played by Tyrion? What's the actor's name who plays Tyrion in Game of Thrones? Oh, um, my God. Uh, Peter Dinklage? That's it. Uh, he is in that movie. And they, like, bring him in to be, like, the guy. <laughs> He's, like, the creative wizard for kids' books. What about an asparagus who's self-conscious about the way his pee smells? <laughs> um, do you think that they hired General Mills or Kellogg or whoever, a guy like that, like Peter Dinklage in that movie, <laughs> to come in and create an entire backstory for Captain Crunch? This guy's a marketing genius yeah. when it comes to cereal. He lives on an island off the coast of Ohio <laughs> in a sea of milk. And his name is Horatio Crunch. No, Horatio Magellan Crunch. I'm gelling like Magellan right now, and that's why that's in there. 
<laughs> Dr. Scholl's shout out, <laughs> business opportunity. And he's just like connecting all the dots all over the place. And we include a coupon that if you buy the cereal, $5 off your next Dr. Scholl's. <laughs> exactly. Like, did they bring someone in like that? Or is that a guy who is just really passionate about Captain Crunch? And he's been with the company forever. And he's just like, he's he's just created the story himself. I always like go down this rabbit hole with like jingles for companies and everything. And the one that kills me right now is uh, Liberty Mutual. It's not the Limu Emu, if that's where you think I'm going. Liberty, 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 Liberty. (laughs) That one, right? Yeah, it's just like. So who came up with that? And uh, you just I said mean, the word four times and just changed the damn. singing voice. <laughs> exactly, and someone's just like, Ugh, "Screw it, we've been here for seven hours trying to get, let's go with that." Screw it, Liberty Liberty, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that what, is interesting. Yeah, it's what always baffles me is that I like. Is it the advertising uh, firm that comes up with that? Is the company that's like, no, this is what you're going to do. We decided on this. Just run it. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you know anybody who works in advertising or any sort of realm like that where you're working with the client, a lot of the times the client won't give you a lot of wiggle room. Like sometimes they're like, hey, you do it all. Just say the name four times. Yeah, just in a say row it and put a t- jingle and to it. Different tunes. I don't care. I need to get a drink. <laughs> I, need, I need my fifth bourbon of the day. Um, no, the, uh, the one that I always laugh at the most is it, it's in New York, but maybe you've heard it out here. It's, it's, uh, it's 1877 Cars for Kids. And the commercial starts... One eight seven seven cars for kids, K A R S cars for kids. Yeah, and it's a I, whole I'm song. Aware. And cars is spelled K A R S, so they have to actually say that because cars for kids. Because hey, there's K's, so it works. Um, there's that one, <laughs> and then there's J G Wentworth eight seven seven cash now. 877 cash no. That's a classic. That is a classic. But see, that's the thing. Jingles that work. One, that one slaps. <laughs> yes, that one slaps. But that's why jingles work, right? Because you remember, you said Liberty Mutual, right? I don't know anything about Liberty Mutual. I don't use them. I don't care what they are, but I know what you're talking about. Well, Mike, just, they to, have a jingle. just to back up your point, I just found a, a list, 10 marketing jingles that make your ears bleed. Number two, J.G. Wentworth. 877 cash no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My ears aren't bleeding. I'm loving it. I'm singing along every time I see the commercial. <laughs> what's the what's number one? What's the worst one? Uh, apparently, Dixie plates. I don't know. What the, oh, like paper plates? Yeah, didn't, not not familiar with that one. Obviously, they haven't done a good enough job. <laughs> yeah, clearly that one does make your ears bleed because nobody knows what you're talking. They put hefty, hefty, hefty as uh, number three for the hefty bags. Ah, another one where they just repeat the name of the company three times to a jingle. There you go. <laughs> so it's like it's like country music. There's a tried and true formula that everybody copies over and over again. You just change small things. Just say the name of the company multiple times and sing it. Uh, I think Wham, we, bam, we're done. I think we can all agree, though, that probably the worst um, commercial song ever was the Quizno Subs, uh, like, hamster things or whatever the hell those were. What? Do you remember the Quizno Subs? Like, I mean, I remember Quiznos. I liked Quiznos a lot. I do not know the jingle, though. hamsters or the whatever creatures, whatever they were. Mike, this was, like, prime middle school, high school. I don't, I don't school. remember. I'm sorry. You're, uh, yeah, look look that ass up and then have fun <laughs> trying to sleep tonight. I'm because... sorry disappointing you. And where did well, all the I Quiznos go? Where did all the Quiznos go? Uh, they, I think they went bankrupt. That's disappointing. Quiznos made great subs. Yeah, I'm very disappointed. Me too. Big Town Heroes, too. I know. Big Town Hero was delightful. I feel like all the good sandwich shops there. Hey, Jersey Mike's is still good. Eh, 
I'm not a big fan of the oil and vinegar and whatever. Oh, you mean the correct way to make a sub sandwich? Uh, unless I want to have fingerprints emblazoned on my dough, then and literally have Play-Doh when I get it because it's what? all soggy and wet by the time I get it to my house all or wherever right, I'm trying to eat. All right, Joe. You, you know it's true. You live literally like three minutes from the Jersey of Mike's. It's not that soggy. <laughs> by the time I, un- I know where you live. <laughs> by the un- time I unwrap it, I'm eating mush. <sighs> Guys, Joe just doesn't understand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for his bad take. Big Town Hero. Delicious. I do love Big Town Hero. I miss them. Fantastic. I used to get there. They used to have like these giant like pita things that were filled with stuff too that were good as well. Anyway, that's going to do it for us before we get into another <laughs> tangent and I run out of music. Uh, we'll be back next week. Full squad will be back. Uh, Patrick will be here as well, back from his sabbatical gallivanting around the Northwest. Beers on Us podcast still comes out tomorrow. It's going to be me doing a quick hit and Patrick's going to call in and talk about his trip through Montana so far and some of the beer experiences he's had there. That'll drop at about four o'clock tomorrow. So grab a listen to that and uh, we will see you guys next week, seven to nine. And I have a very good rest of your evening. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.